Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the EdTech Academy podcast. My name is Ronnie Williams. I am your host, and I am excited to be back for some more technology talking about stuff and things. (laughs) No. Okay, so the first couple of episodes, I have worked out that I really say the word like too much. I say the word all right too much. And I say the word stuff and things too much. Those are my filler words that I've established. And part of getting better at something is realizing that there's an issue in the first place. So it is going to be my attempt to improve over time and to not say those dreaded filler sayings that I just constantly keep falling back to. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is the first time that you've ever come to the EdTech Academy podcast, this is the place where I get to sit down and I get to talk about all of the techie stuff and things, there I did it again, that I love in life. We are primarily focused on the educational aspect here on the podcast, so keep that in mind. But I also like to slip in little lifestyle things that I cover with technology as well. Without further ado, we are going to get into our first segment, which is called Techie Stuff and Things. I should even take out stuff and things from the title of that probably, but... Eh, I think it's okay. I have two stuff and things to share with you this week. The first one is the Waze GPS app. This is a free application. You can download it on your phone. And to me, it is the very best GPS application that money can buy, which is at the price of absolutely $0. It costs nothing. The cool things that I like about Waze, one, this week, you could unlock the ability to have Master Chief from Halo, to be your voice guidance. And you would also be able to see a warthog on the screen. And oh my gosh, that does my little video game heart so good. (laughs) I love it. You'll be driving along and all of a sudden, this uh, very gruff, rough voice will be like, in 500 feet, turn right, move out troops. Something to that effect. I I, I don't do it justice by any means. There are a lot of different other voices in there. You don't have to have Master Chief, but I thought that was pretty neat that they added that this week. The thing that sets Waze apart from other GPS apps is that it uses everyone's data that they can put in while they're driving around in order to provide you with real-time information as it pertains to your commute. So, for example, let's say that you're driving down Interstate I-70. This really happened to me. And there's a crash that happens maybe a couple miles up the road from where you are. Other users that are on the scene can then log in the Waze GPS app that there's a traffic jam and that it might be wise for you to route around that. So I got that notice while I was on I-70 and it got me off of the interstate, put me on an outer road, and I was able to save myself from waiting in traffic for at least an hour. It was standstill traffic. Nobody was going anywhere. And from that point forward, Waze GPS was going to be my GPS application of choice. It is fantastic. And again, it doesn't cost anything. Little known fact, uh, Waze was purchased by Google. So it is now run by Google. So if you're a Google Maps person, you might as well use Waze because I personally think that it's way better. The other application that I'll mention on this week's show is the application Overcast. And it is an application for your phone that for me is the very best way to consume podcasts. I love the layout of it. I love the the buttons to me are very intuitive. Some of those podcast apps, it's really hard to figure out 
where to click, where to delete, where to fast forward, how to add things to a playlist. So what I like to do is I will get a playlist on Overcast setup, a bunch of different podcasts set up back to back to back. That way I don't have to interact with my phone while I'm going down the road. And whenever one podcast episode is done, because it's in a playlist, it'll just automatically start the next podcast that I want from my list. Love Overcast, it's another one that does not cost anything. Now we're going to transition into the section of the show where we talk about listener feedback. This week, listener feedback comes in the form of some answers that I received to a discussion post that I placed in the Facebook group following our previous episode that came out. The question was, virtual versus in-person professional development. What is your perspective? So I had two folks that responded. I didn't ask them for permission to use their names in the podcast, so I won't use their names Uh, in the future. I will try and do a better job of doing that. But uh, shout out to, maybe I can just use their first name. Is that that too incriminating? It might be. I'm not going to use any names. So our first piece of feedback said that I like the virtual and especially that I could do some of them when I feel like it. I then followed up and said, awesome, did you also feel that way pre-COVID area? And then this person responded, well, I did much of my schooling online for my degrees and worked full-time, so it was good for me. Plus, I was an unconventional student in that I got my teaching degree at 50. Wow, congratulations. (laughs) That is amazing. They went on to say, I also got my gifted and talented, my ESL, and then an English degree. I was motivated and I enjoyed learning and excelling. I do not think online is good for students that are not motivated. Now that my summers are so precious to me, I do not want to go to take a seminar someplace, but I do miss the interaction between peers. And this person shares many of the same views that I have as well. I think there are definitely some good and bad aspects of virtual versus in-person. I got my master's online through Emporia State, and uh, it was super, super convenient. I loved all the people that I worked with. But then I also wonder, you know, what, what, how much did I miss out on because we were doing things in a virtual environment. And to be frank, a lot of the assignments from class to class were very similar. It was always read something, post on a discussion board, and post follow-up comments to what other people wrote. And I think that at least back in that time, you know, I'm sure that times have changed. Uh, I graduated from Emporia State in 2013, so that was eight years ago already. That's kind of crazy. I'm sure that things have changed, and now that we use Zoom in our everyday lives, you know, I'm sure that that's way more prevalent in online classes to make people feel connected and together. But I, I remember, you know, doing my undergraduate degree um, and going to in-person lectures and really enjoying those. I didn't necessarily take a lot away from classes where it was a lot of specific kinds of learning and data and microeconomics. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I went to Mizzou for two years. Don't hold that against me. I I love Kansas, but I went to Mizzou for two years. And my first class that I took at Mizzou was microeconomics. And oh my gosh, I did not do well in that class. And I learned real quick what my uh, flavor of learning style was and what my flavor of learning style was not. It was not sitting in a lecture hall of 500 other people, no exaggeration there, and listening to a person talk for a couple of hours a week and then taking an exam. I will fail every class if that's the format that I have to learn in. Now, whenever I got into more specific teaching and education classes, I love those because uh, that was a topic that I was interested in. I was engaged in it. 
uh, had some background with it, but microeconomics was just a foreign concept. And then to capitalize upon that horrible situation, the, the style of learning was just not for me. So in that instance, you know, maybe having an online class where I could sit down and I could go through the material at my own pace, you know, maybe I would have gotten a, a little better grade in that class than what I actually got, which I'm not going to share here because I'm very ashamed of that. Uh, memories, good old college. We had another opinion that got thrown in on Facebook, and, and I like this one too. It was short and sweet, preferably in person. I'm kind of sick of virtual. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are kind of at that level now, especially after doing a lot of stuff virtual last year. We had a, a superintendent gathering over the summer where all of the superintendents in the state were invited to come and share in some learning and fellowship together. And they were just so darn excited to be able to get together, to see each other, to see their colleagues, and to just just have face-to-face -face conversations. Um, I've been to, I think, three or four of those superintendent gatherings now. And this one, by far, they had, they had the most fun. It was a bummer that our golf outing got rained out. But uh, I think that uh, a lot of them shared the same sentiment that this person shared is that folks are tired of virtual and you just you, you, you lose a little bit of that connection whenever you do uh, virtual. Now, for me, I think I might have mentioned it last week. I, I really like doing virtual training, especially for techie kinds of things, because uh, everybody can see the presentation much better. Um, they can ask questions at any time in the Zoom chat and they don't feel like they're interrupting. Uh, they'll get a recording of the training. So I'll be interested to see, you know, hopefully we get to be able to stay in person this entire school year. But, uh, you know, moving on and in the future, especially something like Greenbush University, I've heard from a lot of people that have loved the Greenbush University virtual format because it used to be, you know, we would do GBU for a week and people would need to come on different days and it would just kind of be really... I don't want to say dragged out. It wasn't dragged out because it was all good stuff, but it might require somebody to give up an entire week to come out and to maybe, you know, maybe they come on Monday and they're, they go to a session at 9 a.m. And then the next session that they're really interested in isn't until later in the day. Well, if they travel any number of hours, they're kind of stuck there uh, at, at Greenbush. And, and especially if they're at our Girard campus, you know, there's not a whole lot of options to go for uh, eating food or to just go and, and, and spend some time. So I think that the virtual option is is great to have. I think that it, it complements in-person so well, you know, especially for you guys that are teaching out there. You know, you don't have to hire that substitute. You can still continue on and, and have some learning and choose what you want to learn about, but you don't have to be gone the whole day. However... <laughs> I keep going back to however and, and but and you know there's there's two sides to the equation and I think that there's always always going to be a place for in-person learning and, and where that is most impactful. So thank you to those two folks that chimed in on our discussion post this week on our Facebook group. If you would like to join our Facebook group and provide any kind of feedback whether it be a discussion post or just a good question you want to present to the group please feel free to do that. I will have a link to join our Facebook group in the description of the podcast. And now our next section covers Academy Editions. So this is the content that got added to EdTech Academy this week. First of all, I added a quick tip video about Google Meet. And I titled it Using Google Meet in 2021 
in-person and virtual ideas? Because you might say, Google Meet, eh, I'm not working with students virtually. I don't really need to use Google Meet. However, I wanted to bring to your attention a lot of really cool features that they've brought into Google Meet, such as closed captioning, sharing your screen so that students don't have to fumble around and connect their devices to your big projector in the room. They could just share their screen to everybody that's right there in that Google Meet in the classroom, and that way all of those students have access to that student's presentation right there from their device. Other really cool features in Google Meet now includes the ability to poll students to ask questions right there within the meeting. You can launch a Jamboard right from Google Meet. There's a brilliant little Q&A section. So, you know, again, if you're talking, lecturing up in front of the class, you don't want to take questions while you're doing that, kind of interrupting the flow, you can direct students to input their questions right there in Google Meet, and then you can come back and review them whenever it's the appropriate time to do so. So don't just think of Google Meet as cool for virtual education. It's great to use even if you've got kiddos there in the class. So the video I added this week is just a bit of an overview of those features that shows you how to make it happen. The other two pieces of content that I added this week were two recorded webinars that I did with the Independence School District. So again, the benefits of doing virtual professional development is that we also get to share that stuff with other school districts. So those two sessions were What's New in Google Classroom 2021. So that's the one where I highlight all of the new features that have been announced for Classroom and are on their way very, very soon. The one that I'm most excited about is the scheduling across multiple classes. So you know how now whenever you, you create an assignment and you want to schedule it to multiple classes, you have to go into each one of those individual classes after you schedule it and change the due date and time if you wanted to have a different due date and time for each one. Well, now there's going to be a little dialogue that will pop up and you're going to be able to select that right from that menu of creating the assignment. So no more having to go into those classrooms and spend extra time doing that. It's just gonna be a feature that's gonna hopefully pop up here in September, October, I think is whenever they've targeted to release that. And then the other recorded webinar that I added was about Google Workspace updates. So I've got some really good tips and tricks about some features that have been added to apps like Drive and Gmail and Calendar uh, here in just the last year or so. So if that's something of interest to you, those two webinars are available on EdTech Academy. Don't forget that you do get digital credentials for completing those webinars, and that's something that you could turn in for professional development points or something that you could use as an artifact on your evaluation. And guess what? They look cool. <laughs> I spent some time in Canva trying to create something that looked pretty nice. So it's something that you could download. You could put in a resume cover letter and just kind of have as evidence of your learning and knowledge about all of those ed tech tools. And now for our last section of the show today, we're going to talk reflections. And I've got one little reflection to share with you. It's about hybrid teaching and how I got to experience it this week for the first time. So the good folks at Chautauqua uh, were nice enough to have me out, and I did a full day of professional development with them. In the morning, I covered iPads with the elementary staff. In the afternoon, we talked Google Workspace tips and tricks. During the morning section, we had a teacher that remoted in and participated in the session, and then I had a classroom full of other teachers that were there as well. So I heard the horror stories of how difficult it was to do hybrid teaching last year, and I, I sympathize with it. I thought that I understood how difficult that would be. 
I had no idea though, because I, frankly, I completely ignored her pretty much the entire time that I was doing that professional development uh, situation. In fact, she even had to text her friends to ask me to add the link to the presentation uh, and other things like that to the Zoom chat, because I just, I totally forgot about her. And, and with all things, I'm sure that you get better at that with practice, but I just can't ever, ever envision a time when that model is going to be feasibly doable in a way that you feel really good about the education of both your in-person and remote students. You know, I think that you can do a great job if you're focusing on just the remote students. I think you can do a great job if you're just focusing on the in-person students. But to have multiple plates in the air and to think about all of the different ways that folks have to access different things and how the camera is situated, super, super difficult. So to all of you teachers that did hybrid teaching last year, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, and oh my gosh, I hope that nobody ever has to do that again as, as part of a long-term solution because of that that really threw me for a loop. <laughs> but I'm also thankful for the experience because now I totally get it and understand what everybody was talking about, how that was so difficult. So let's make that our discussion post for this week. Hybrid teaching, what are your thoughts on it? Did you find a way to become successful with it? If we have to go back to a model of remote instruction of some kind, how do you accomplish that? How does your school district handle that? I know that some school districts just pulled out a teacher from a grade level and just assigned them as the remote learning teacher, and that freed up all of the other in-person teachers to just kind of continue on and do what they needed to do for their students in person. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So if you would like to submit your feedback, I will have a post in our Facebook group where you can do that, and I will include a link to it in the description of the podcast. Go ahead and cue that music, Ronnie. We are on the outro time. I want to thank you all for taking the time to join me for episode four of the EdTech Academy podcast. James Fox, I'm calling you out, buddy. <laughs> We've been trying to connect for a while now. Uh, he's going to be, I think, my first interview for the EdTech Academy podcast. Super awesome, amazing educator. He's a principal in the Oklahoma School District of Berry Hill, and I'm excited to have him on. So hopefully... The next time you hear my voice, it will be with me talking about how excited I am to have an interview to share with you guys with the one and only James Fox. But until next time, folks, thank you again for listening in. And as always, happy ed teching.